All right. So, let's pray. (laughs) Father, I pray that you would help us tonight. Show us something we've never seen before. There's a number of things in here that will be new to various people. And a lot of little things I need to point out about who we are, what we believe. I just pray that you'd help me to get it right, please, for thy glory. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. All righty. I'm going to talk tonight about God's team. God's team. Now, we could use the scriptural analogy of God's body, the body of Christ. Somebody tell me, what is the body of Christ? The church. And that would be a scriptural, scriptural way to say it. But because we have used that phrase so much, and by the way, used it in a, I believe, an unscriptural context, then that's what I'm going to show you here. I'm going to use the word team tonight. And by the way, I think if team sports were as common when the Bible was written as they are today, I believe God would have used that as an illustration in addition to the body of of Christ to help us to understand the concept of the church. Here's what I'm getting at. God's team is the church. That's God's team. That's, that's, and, and so what does that mean? All right, we'll look at it as we go. I want you to understand this, what we read in Matthew chapter number 16, if you're still there. When the translators of the English Bible came to this word, the word is ecclesia. Ecclesia. They came to that word in the Greek, and there was no English word to match it. So they had to assume, and it was a safe assumption, there was a Scottish word, kirk, K-I-R-K. And that Scottish word kirk, and as I read, um, I think it's John Knox, who was a reformer in Scotland, and I read his writings, and he talks about the kirk. It translated into English. He talks about the kirk. And they assumed, safely and rightly, that that word ecclesia is talking about the church. And so they translated it church. But the word ecclesia, and by the way, in Spanish, it translates how, Brother Emil? What Spanish word for ecclesia? Iglesia, yeah. As a, as a bus worker... There were only three or four words that I knew when I was trying to get a Spanish-speaking person to ride the bus. The two main ones were Iglesia Mañana, Church Tomorrow. And uh, if I couldn't speak to anybody, that, that's, that's, that's where I started, at Church to, to Iglesia Mañana. And uh, if, they, if the answer was yes, they're trying to get me to download Windows 10 here. Anyway, um, if the answer was yes, then I used my next two Spanish words, ocho y media, 8.30. And uh, so if I could get a yes on Inglesa Manana and a yes on ocho y media, we had an appointment. And I'd bring the bus and hope they understood the rest. So, um, but anyway, Inglesia, and I'm sure I'm not saying it perfectly there, but that's essentially the word. And it, 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 it comes from, can you hear, Inglesia Ecclesia. Can you see the relation there? Okay, but in English, there was no word, so they attached it to the word church. Here's what ecclesia means. Ek means out, and kaleo means call. 
So, ecclesia is an assembly of called out people. Now, why is, it so, why is everything I've just said so far so important? Because I want you to understand that Jesus Christ invented this institution. Jesus wasn't saying, hey, I know everybody's got churches. There's churches here. There's churches there. Churches everywhere. I'm going to have one too. Jesus established the church, by the way, just like God established the home. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined unto his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. God established that. We don't have a right to redefine that. And Jesus defined and established the church. So he established it here in uh, Matthew 16. Now, here's, here's where it's gotten out of whack a little bit, our understanding. The identity, let me give you first of all the identity of God's team. God's team is the local assembly of born-again, baptized believers. Now, here's, after, after I make this point and illustrate it, we're going to turn off the projector, turn this light back on and move forward. But it's so important for us to understand the distinction I'm about to show you. Okay, what do we have here? Come on now. Yeah, now it's not going to work. Great. You saw, there it is. We have a cake. And I don't know about you, that looks real good to me right now. Okay. Now, if we bring this cake in here, and we're going to pass out uh, every, everybody, we're, we're going we're to take a knife, we're going to cut it into pieces, and that's what you're going to get. You're going to get a piece of cake cut from the hole. So there's the hole, and there's the piece. There's the hole, there's the piece. Everybody get that? There's the whole cake, there's the piece. All right, here is our concept of what a local church is. Our concept is that when the Bible talks about the church, it's talking about this worldwide body, and every local church like ours is just a slice of the whole. And there would be a lot of you that would say, yeah, that's, that's pretty, that's, that sounds about right. Be a whole lot of believers that would say, yeah, that's, that's right. The local assembly is a slice of one entire body. And that's not true. That is a wrong illustration of what the local church is. Let me show you what the local church is in this picture I like even better. You ready for this? Oh, yeah, right there. That makes me even hungrier. That brings me this close to just walking away and leaving you here while I go find some of that right there. Okay? So this was somebody created one hole and then cut it up into individual pieces to pass it out. But that's not what this is. This, there are five cakes, five little cakes in that picture. That's five individual little efforts. They have not been cut into pieces. It's not a whole that has been cut into pieces. Each of them is, okay, let's use a, a word that is on our website and in our doctrinal statement, autonomous. Autonomous is a Baptist 
word. If you're going to study Baptist doctrine, you're going to come across that word autonomous. What does that mean? It means it's not a worldwide body cut into pieces. It's individual efforts, the local church. And that's what the church is. Why is it important to to understand that? Well, we had a guy come in two, three years ago, and he insisted that he was going to get the churches of Danbury, especially the Baptist churches of Danbury, to, to, to get together. Because in his mind, and by his, and by the way, he attended all of them. He didn't belong to any of them. He attended all of them, sort of a freelance. Now, if you believe that we're all slices of the whole, that's not that far off. We understand martyrs died for the concept that the church is not this, the church is these. Martyrs died for that concept. Can I tell you this? Don't be offended. I'm just telling you the facts. That's a Catholic concept right there. That's what Catholic means, universal. Now, Protestants, and by the way, we're not Protestant. I can prove that to you with multiple books. Protestants came through the Reformation. Martin Luther was a, was a Catholic who became a Protestant, protesting against the church from which they came. Baptists, by doctrine, were never a part of the Catholic church. So they didn't protest about, against it. They were not a part of the Protestant Reformation. So it's not a surprise that even, even five, six hundred years later that we still understand we're not this, we're this. But somebody who's never been seen that, they're still operating 500 years later on Catholic universal church doctrine. But the Bible teaches that the local church is an autonomous body. And you say, well, where does the Bible teach that? Well, this is not the emphasis tonight, but let me, let me uh, well, first of all, let me, let me address the the, uh, the verse that's coming to some of your minds right now. The Bible says there's one church. Yes, it also says there's one faith. Now, did you get a slice of somebody else's faith? No. What he's saying there is that when somebody says, well, I've got my faith and you've got yours, meaning I believe in God my way, you believe in God your, God your way, Paul was saying, no, there's only one way to believe in God, and that's the way God said to believe in God. And if you don't believe in God the way that God said to believe in him, you don't have the faith that the Bible talks about. We don't have a right. Hey, to invent your own faith is idolatry. It's no different than cutting out a tree down here, as the Bible describes a stock. When the Old Testament talks about a stock, that's what it's talking about. Taking a piece out of the, the, the main body of a tree... And then taking a saw or some chisels and and just cutting out, this is how I want God to look. Well, when you believe in God the way you choose to instead of the way God says to, that's all you're doing. You're carving out a God of your own making. And you don't have a right to carve out your own God. There's one faith, and it's the faith that God says to have. And in that same way, there's only one church, and it's the church that matches God's description. But he's not, there's not a teaching there of a universal 
there's only one church and we're, okay, let me show you how that's not true. The word church is used 80 times in the New Testament. The word churches, churches, churches is used 37 times. So a total of 117 times and nearly one-third of that total, it's used in a, in a plurality. Listen, if we were just a slice of the whole, if that's what we were, if that's what we are, God would have found a different way to explain it than churches. 37 times the Bible says churches, 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 churches. Whoops, went too far. Churches. 37 times, God's telling us something. Now, I say again, it's important that you make that distinction. Because as you read your Bible, if you've been reading your Bible and every time you came to the word church, you were picturing this, you would do a whole lot better in your understanding of Scripture if you would start picturing this, not cake, but individual bodies and not pieces of the whole. That's why there is no governing body. There's a lot of Protestant denominations that have a governing body. That tell I just, It was front page of the News Times. I don't usually pick up the News Times, but I was coming out of the drive-thru at Dunkin' Donuts, and there was a kid there selling it for $2 a piece. And Amy can tell you, when there's a kid selling papers for $2 a piece, I'm going to get one. So I, I put together to change $2, and I got and right there on the front page of the Danbury Times today about how the governing body of, a couple, of, of one particular denomination in the area has moved to part-time pastors because they can't support full-time pastors. I mean, it's, 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 one, it's the oldest denomination in Connecticut. Um, no, it doesn't matter. Congregational, it's right in the front. <laughs> no secrets, it's right on the front page of the paper. The Congregational, and I think they're part of the United Church of Christ now, if I'm not mistaken, they have changed their game plan. So in other words, they're deciding that these, and, I, and it may not be against their will, but it's still, they've got the authority to tell these local congregations, um, we can't support a full-time pastor anymore, so you're getting a part-time pastor. They made the decision. We have no such governing body. And that's why, as this misguided fellow from a year or so ago didn't understand, we have no say and no control over what Gospel Light Baptist Church does or Colonial Hills Baptist Church does or New Hope Baptist. We have no say, and I don't want any say over what they do. God wants us to take care of our own affairs. And if you'll read Ephesians chapter 4 with this in mind, and not as we're a slice of the whole, you'll understand it a whole lot better. So, and I went on a little further just to help us understand. We're that big, fat, juicy one right in the middle. All right? And then in a completely separate baking effort, there's Gospel Light Baptist Church on Main Street. And in a completely different autonomous body, there's Heritage Baptist Church in Wallingford. And then there's Central Baptist Church in Southington, Pastor Townsley. And then there's White Oak Baptist Church in uh, uh, Stratford, Pastor Mike Peslak. And praise the Lord, we could have 
We could have a hundred separate uh, cakes here. And praise the Lord, the state of Connecticut is uh, more and more populated by individual, independent Baptist churches that uh, we could probably fill in a hundred names there. Praise the Lord for that. That's great. That's wonderful. But understand, we're not a slice of the whole. Yeah, what about what about the, the, the church be, is the bride of Christ? We're the bride of Christ at the rapture when we all come out to form the ultimate called out assembly. And we as a whole form the bride of Christ. But today, right now, this is God's team right here. Very important distinction. I better throw this in too because I want you to understand this. Occasionally, we will have a guest speaker. We had one not too long ago that will say that if you're not an independent Baptist church, you're not really a church. And I, don't, I, I just have to tell you, I don't agree with that. Um, I'm okay with them saying it, and I know a lot of Baptists believe that. Uh, but when you, when you go there, what you're saying is you're, you're taking on territory that, in my opinion, is not... My, my territory is right here. Right here. And uh, now... Do I believe that our doctrine is right? Yeah, if I didn't, I would go to the doctrine that was right. I would switch. I believe our doctrine's right. I, I believe our doctrine is, but there's, see, there's a, there's a belief called the Baptist bride, and what that means is the bride of Christ is Baptist, not, if, if not a name in doctrine, and everybody else who's saved is going to be sort of spectators when Jesus comes again. They're not really going to be part of the bride. I don't believe that. And uh, while I believe that my doctrine is, is as scriptural as, as, as can be, if I didn't believe that, I would change it. Uh, I'm not going to say, well, you're not part of the bride. You're not really a New Testament church. I, 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 think, I think even if I believe that, I wouldn't say it. I just don't want to, I'm not looking to insult any Christians. I'm looking to be as right as I can be. And uh, so anyway, uh, I, I just thought I'd throw that out. I'm sure you'll probably again hear some guest speaker say that sometime. And that's, that's fine. That's, that's their belief. But I, I want you to know that I don't, I don't believe that. All right, we're done with the cakes. Um, Brother Fisher has grapes. I have cakes, all right? And uh, that's, I, just, I told you, you, you might not see where that was worth your time setting up the projector and stuff. But uh, I hope that's something you won't forget. Thank you very much, and I appreciate that. And let's shut this off over here. Now we're done. All right. I'm going to sit down tonight because I get to cast off tomorrow. And uh, if I sweat too much, it messes up my skin and the doctor gets all panicky and stuff. So I'm going to sit down and hopefully reduce the, the sweating tonight. More information that you really didn't need to know, but I just thought I'd share it with you. All right. Let's talk about God's team then for a little bit. Oh, wow. That, that, that thing just went out of control there. Okay. So I got to talk fast. We talked about the identity of of God's team. And I would urge you, I don't expect if what I just showed you doesn't agree with what was in your head, I don't expect you to say, okay, pastor, I'll change. Uh, but at least examine it, at least research, it. at least do some, some reading about the history of the church. And I uh, think you'll be interested in what you find. All right. We talk about the identity of God's team. Let's talk quickly about the importance of God's team, God's team, the local new Testament church, a local assembly of born again, bapt, uh, baptized believers. The importance of God's team. God's team is God's means of accomplishing God's work. Turn to Acts chapter 1. God's team is God's means of accomplishing God's work. Acts chapter 1 
And let's look at verses 4 and 8. Acts chapter 1, verses number 4 and 8. Being assembled together with them. That's interesting because the church is a called out assembly. Being assembled together with them, commanded them. And, and you know, uh, the, the Bible used that word assemble, assemble and we, we just blow it off so easily. Understand that the people that were assembled with the church were part of things. The people that weren't assembled with the church were not a part of things. you got to be there to be a part of what God's doing. God's team is God's means of accomplishing God's work. Being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you've heard of me. Verse 8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. What is God doing on the earth today? All right, Is he involved in politics? He has a role in that, but that's not the main thing that he's doing. Is he involved in sports? He answers the prayers of athletes who say, God, help me to do their, my best if they're his children, but God's not rooting for any team. God's not involved in sports. God's not concerned about making movies. God's not uh, concerned about uh, what's going on on the Discovery Channel. God's business, first and foremost, is the redemption of mankind. That's what God's up to. And how does God accomplish the redemption of mankind? The church. His team. This is his team right here. This is not his only team in Danbury, but it's the one that we're a part of. And other churches, this may be hard for us to comprehend, but other churches who are following the Bible in Danbury, they're not an extension of our team. They are another one of God's teams. So we don't rise or fall depending on how they do. Now, if they succeed, hey, if another church succeeds in winning souls, that's good for us. We need to cooperate. You know what it's sort of like? It's sort of like in professional sports. Let's take football, all right? We have uh, the NFL. Now, everybody's a part of the NFL, but there's individual teams in the NFL. They compete against each other. That's not, in, in our case, that's not what we do. We don't compete against other churches. But even as they're each trying to make their team the very best it can be, it is also in their best interest for the other teams to have the same good working conditions that they have. So even though their business is to beat another team, it's also in their best interest at times for all the players to get together and agree on a common cause, for all of the, the uh, uh, owners to get together and agree on a common cause. Why? Because in a way, they are a part ultimately of one big team. In a way, yes, we are ultimately a part of one big team, but we don't function, we don't operate, we don't have meetings to figure out how to, how to uh, interact with the other teams that God has in, in our city. This is our team. This is our focus. This is God's team right here that God has made you a part of. God's team is God's means of accomplishing God's work. And God's team is the local assembly of born-again baptized believers. We talked about the identity of God's team. We talked about the importance of God's team. Now let's talk for a minute about the imperatives of God's team. What does God's team, the local church, demand of its members? First of all, it, com it demands commitment. 
God's team demands the commitment of God's people. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. We have worked so hard to try to accommodate the lost world that we have watered down what it takes to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Discipleship is not easy. Discipleship takes commitment. Discipleship takes sacrifice. Discipleship demands a great deal of us. And so God's team demands a commitment of God's people. Now, along the lines of liberty, which we talked about this morning, you have the Christian liberty to not get involved with God's team. But there'll be a price to pay. Remember the price of ignoring love thy neighbor as thyself? If ye, uh, I can't quote it, but if you, if you bite one another, don't be surprised when you get devoured, when you get bit. That's the price of using your liberty as an excuse to ignore what you're supposed to be doing, Galatians 5. And that's the same is true with the, with the church. God's team demands our commitment. You say, well, I don't want to commit to God's team. That's fine, but there'll they'll, they'll be a price to pay. Somebody said to Billy Sunday, I don't have to be a part of a church to get to heaven. And Billy Sunday said, oh, you're right. And you don't have to get on a ship to get to Europe, but the swimming's awful hard. <laughs> you don't have to commit to the church to get to heaven. You're right. You have liberty. You're absolutely right. But you're going to miss out on some stuff. You're going to miss out on eternal rewards. Uh, these folks that are constantly bucking the church. Well, I'm not referring to any, anybody here. We, we get it, all right? I'm just making sure we're, we understand. These folks that are constantly, they can't commit to any church. They will not be a member of a church. They just go around correcting everybody. Every, I'll be here this week and here this week and here this week. And in my house one week we'll meet. Um, they're going to stand before God. And I don't know how Jesus is going to say it, but it's going to be something like this. Did you have a Bible? Did you read it? Because I died for the local church. Acts 20, 28, he shed his blood for the church. And the church is not a universal whole that you automatically become a part of when you get saved. It is a local assembly. And you thought that you were God's gift to the... the and you didn't have to belong to any of them. You just came along and found a group that someone else had worked years to assemble. And, okay, step aside, now the teacher's here. Nope. Not here. You step aside, pal. And you go collect your own assembly of believers. And you say, well, that sounds harsh, okay? If I didn't have the backbone to do that, your church would look a lot different than it does. God's team demands a commitment to God's people. God's, by the way, uh, one of the great lines that's, that's used a lot by preachers, and it's, it's dead on. One reason people like to believe in the invisible church, that's another word for the universal church, one people, reason people like to believe in the invisible church is because then they can give their invisible tithe. Nobody knows whether you're tithing or not. And, uh, you know, you can, you can go out and, and uh, give $10 to the guy selling tickets for the volunteer fireman and say, there, that's part of my tithe down there. Nah, that's not going to hold. I'm, I'm just telling you. Part of my responsibility is to help you have a great judgment seat of Christ. And I'm telling you right now, it's not going to go well for you if you don't work within the institution that God established. God loves this place. 
not because we're special, but because we are a local assembly of born-again baptized believers. That's what Jesus died for. God's team demands the growth of God's people. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Now, Ephesians chapter 4 is a major place that you're either going to not understand what it's talking about or you're going to understand what it's talking about based upon whether you think the church is this big universal body or whether you understand that it is a local gathering and meeting of believers. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, talking about the church. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body under the edifying of itself in love. Say, Pastor, what does all that mean? It means your personal growth, your personal spiritual growth contributes to the growth of the whole. When you become a stronger Christian, your church becomes a stronger church. When you get closer to God, your church gets closer to God. Every one of us in our personal and our individual growth, we strengthen our church. So God's team demands the growth of God's people. Oh, my soul. God's team demands the sacrifice of God's people. We won't turn there, but Acts 4, 32 through 37 talks about people who selling everything extra that they had so that they could help the cause. What was the cause? God's team. God's, I'm not, I'll never ask you to sell everything you have. Boy, I would urge you to sacrifice. And let me make this point of clarification. Tithing is not sacrifice. Tithing is obedience. Tithing is giving one-tenth of all your increase to God. We don't have time to go through that tonight, but it's all through the Bible. It's pre-law, it's law, it's post-law. It's all through the Bible. One-tenth of all your increase to God. Sacrifice is over and above tithing. Sacrifice, giving an offering, is is an expression of our love to God. And you can't express your love until you have first obeyed God through tithing. Let me urge you, when God prompts you, maybe if he doesn't prompt you, to give sacrificially to him. I, uh, well, I don't have time to tell the story, but God proved to me again recently. I will say this much. I had three bills in my wallet. I don't carry large bills, but I had, I had one bill as backup for a, for a particular occasion. And I, I didn't think I'd need it. It wound up, I didn't need it, but until I could get it back to its secure place, because it was a very lonely person, I, uh, I had it in my wallet. Well, it just so happened that an offering came up and there was a very small bill with the picture of George Washington on it. There was a medium sized bill And then there was this big old bill. And I opened up my wallet for this offering. And I didn't want to give the baby bill, but I didn't want to touch the big bill. So I reached for the medium-sized one. And God said, "Uh uh-uh. And I said, but God, God said, no. And I obeyed. It hurt. It was painful. I took the big one. Oh, I want to do this. Do you know, by the way, Ben Franklin said, he said, every time I heard George Whitfield preach, I emptied my wallet. He said, so I decided whenever I go hear George Whitfield preach, I'm going to quit carrying money. <laughs> he said, but that didn't work because I got under such conviction I would borrow it from the guy next to me. And he said, so I decided to start carrying money again because I'd rather, I'd rather lose the money I had than be in debt. 
Oh, I didn't want to give it. Can I tell you something? And, and as I give it, I, I, I thought, I'm, t- I'm telling you the truth, I thought, I know God promises to pay you back, but I won't be seeing that money again. Within five days, I'd gotten that back fourfold out of nowhere. Just totally unexpectedly, totally legitimately. That's the only way I get money is totally legitimately. But I just want you to know, I don't, I don't mean I went out and said, okay, now i got to see what I can steal to pawn to get this money back. No, I'm talking about it, 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 it can't, God brought it to me. God taught me again, hey, you sacrifice, I'll take care. Okay, let's get to the main part of the message, and I've got one minute left, so let's get to it. The impact of God's team. God's team gives me the opportunity to impact the world for God. That's why we have missions. That's why we have a relationship with Final Frontiers. But by the way, do you know of Final Frontiers? If you try to do something with Final Frontiers and they know you're a member of a church, they will check with your church and make sure, hey, are, are you okay with them doing this? Why? Because Final Frontiers is all about churches. Churches. And we love Final Frontiers. Understand, Brother Nelms believes the church is the local body of believers. God's team gives me the opportunity to impact my nation for God. That's why we, we work with Capital Connection. That's why we work with the Northeast Vision. It is an opportunity to impact my nation for God. God's team gives me the opportunity to impact my city for God. That's why we have uh, ministries in our church. That's the purpose of the Sunday school. And by the way, the Sunday school always has been and always will be the most important ministry in our church. And it's been the most productive ministry, and I'm sure it always will be. The Sunday school, it's why we have a bus ministry. It's why we have a radio ministry. It's why we have a a Spanish ministry. It's why we have a teen ministry. It's why we have Reformers Unanimous. It's why we have the the, uh, soul winning bus and, and on and on. That's why we have the Sunday dinner. Why? Because it's our opportunity, it's my opportunity, it's your opportunity to impact our city for God. You may be able to do something out. You may be able to do something in rebellion to God's local church. I'll do it my own way. Understand, you're not being scornful to me. You're being scornful to God. I didn't invent the church. Jesus did. You may be able to do something. I'm not saying God won't bless, but I'll tell you what, he'll bless a whole lot more if you go ahead and do it the way God prescribed the impact of God's team, this is, uh, I said it impact the world, you can impact your nation, you can impact your city, but here's the biggest one. Here's the biggest one. God's team gives me the opportunity to impact individual lives for God. That's the ultimate right there. I want to change the world. I want to change America. I want to change Danbury. But the biggest thing you can do is influence one person for Jesus Christ. One at a time. And the one that God puts in front of you at any given time is the most precious, the most wonderful, the most important. And, and admit it, and we all know this. You can go out there freelance, but it's the ones that God brings your way through the Sunday school, through the bus route, through all the ministries that I listed that are ministries of God's local church, God's team. That gives you the opportunity to say, I'm so glad to be a part of God's team. Maybe not a real big invitation tonight. 
Maybe nothing really smote your heart except to simply say to you, I invite you. We celebrated the Lord's Supper tonight. Jesus shed his blood. He didn't just shed his blood so we'd go to heaven, although I'm not going to minimize that in any way. But as I said, Acts 20, 28, he also shed his blood to purchase this institution, the local New Testament church. Would you give yourself to it? Would you give everything you have to be a part of God's team? And this is the means whereby we can affect and influence people for Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, tonight I pray that you'd help us to comprehend, understand what it means to be a part of your team. And I pray, Lord, please, that we would, we would resolve. Lord, it's so easy to, uh, to let Satan deceive us into thinking, well, this is just one, one more group of people trying to get me interested in their cause. Lord, I pray that you would, that your Holy Spirit would, would, Illuminate us. Help us see this isn't Joe Vasek's cause. This isn't the Baptist cause. This isn't the Northeast Baptist cause. This is the cause of Jesus Christ. And if we want to please the same Savior that died for our sins, we'll do things your way. We'll get on your team. Lord, if this isn't the team for somebody, if they like some other local Bible-believing church, then help them to find it. But if we're going to be a part of this team, make us a part of this team. Please bless, I pray. Let's stand together. The piano is going to play tonight very quickly before we go tonight. Take a moment with God.